All right, we are going to start a new series today. Uh, we're going to talk about a biblical worldview. Okay, so uh, you can have a biblical worldview or you can have a personal worldview. A biblical worldview uh, believes this scripture with their entire heart. Would you show that 2 Timothy chapter 2? Uh, up there, chapter 2, verse 16. It says, all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture, from cover to cover, from the table of contents to the maps, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Everybody say true. true. And to make us realize what is wrong. Everybody say wrong. wrong. Say, work with me here. Say wrong wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Everybody say right. right. So we got right and we got wrong. How do we decide what's right and wrong? We go to the Bible. That's a biblical worldview. Now, if you're talking with somebody and they, uh, they say, uh, well, I just don't believe that. This is what I believe. And, and the sentence starts off with, with the word I. I believe, I believe, I believe. That is a personal worldview. They are deciding what is right and what is wrong depending on their own perspective and feelings. A biblical worldview does not take your personal feelings into account. It's if it's in the Bible, then it's right. If the Bible says it's wrong, then it's wrong. If the Bible says it's right, then it's right. It's, it's, like, the, uh, it's like when I go to uh, traffic court, hypothetically. <laughs> and uh, they, the judge asked me, were you speeding? I was speeding, but I don't think that was wrong. Right? What I think doesn't matter. Are you with me? Say yes. So if you talk with somebody and they're a cherry picker, some of us may know cherry pickers. So I believe this is right. I don't know if I believe that's right. I don't believe this is right. I don't believe that. Uh, yeah, maybe this is. That's a personal worldview. You are determining what is right and what is wrong. This part of the Bible I believe. This part of the Bible I don't believe. That is a personal worldview. So whenever I'm talking to somebody and I hate arguments, I sidestep arguments as much as I can. But if I get sucked into an argument, the first question I ask is, do you have a biblical worldview or a personal worldview? And they say, well, what, what's a biblical? A biblical worldview says if it's in the Bible, it's, what the Bible says is right is right. What the Bible says is wrong is wrong. That's a biblical worldview. Do you have a biblical worldview or a personal worldview? If they say, I have a personal worldview, then I go, we don't even need to talk anymore, really. Because I'm looking at it from a... This is where I get my right and wrong. You get your right and wrong from right in here. You, your head tells you what's right and wrong. The Bible tells me what's right and wrong. So you and I are never going to agree. Do you see what I'm saying? Somebody say, I got, I got it. Okay? So it's my hope that if you attend Celebration Church, that 100% of the people have a biblical worldview. I read recently um, a, a book. It's called uh, Think Like Jesus. Um, I read it years ago. I haven't read it in a while. Uh, and they did a study on Christians, people who call themselves Christians. And a very small percentage of Christians had a biblical worldview. 
I was like, my goodness. Well, then you're not a Christian. It's not supposed to be awkward yet. I'm just, this is my introduction. <laughs> and so, uh, so it's my hope that we all have a, uh, a biblical worldview. This is, um, uh, let me talk about what a personal worldview is. In Mark chapter 8, I'm not going to read it, but uh, it's in your Celebration Church app. Uh, Jesus was telling the disciples, he says, hey, look, pretty soon I'm going to die. I'm going to die on the cross uh, he didn't say on the cross, I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to rise again. Peter looks at him, and he says, stop talking like that, Jesus. That is never going to happen. Stop talking like that. Jesus turns back around and says, get behind me, Satan. He goes, you only have a human Point of view. So I read that at like 11 o'clock at night earlier this week, and it dawned on me that Satan's plan is to get us to have a human point of view. So his entire plan, his entire plan is to keep us from thinking from a heavenly perspective. I'm going to give you three examples. In Matthew chapter 13, it talks about how when a preacher talks or somebody tells you about the Bible or you read the Bible yourself, that that message is called seed. Everybody say seed. seed. Everybody say it. Seed. seed. Participate with me, okay? Seed. And so when the word goes out, when the message goes out, the seed, it, for some people, not everybody, but for some people, when it lands on their ears... It's like landing on a footpath about this hard. It doesn't sink in and then grow. It, it's like tink, 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 tink. It's like you throw it onto pavement. Tink, tink. It's like taking seed and throwing it out on the street. And the reason why it doesn't grow is because people who have hearts like that, they don't accept it because they don't understand it. So they don't accept it. So for that particular person, Satan is winning because they can only see from a human point of view. Well, then you take another person and they get the same message, they get the same gospel, but this time it's not like footpath or the road, tink, 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 tink. They actually embrace it and get excited about it. They're like, I, God, I love you. But the minute they have a problem, all the faith they have in God goes out the window. The minute they have a problem. Because when the problem arrives, they start thinking, well, I guess God's not real. I guess God doesn't care. I guess God's not going to get involved. Maybe he's alive, but he doesn't care about what's going on. Maybe he does care, but he's not going to do anything. And so all the faith goes out the window. And this, that person, they understand, but they're losing this other battle. And it's still the thoughts. It's a human perspective of, I've got worries and concerns, and it, it, God can't. So Satan's winning up here. 
So he won up here with Peter. He won up here with the footpath. He wins up here when the, the, the seed lands on rocky soil. And then there's this third category. Where it lands on soil, the person gets excited, but the minute either it starts, both of them are with a W, worries or wealth. The minute a worry comes in, all the faith goes out the window. Or people get really aggressive about pursuing wealth whenever they're in debt or they just want more. And so when they start pursuing wealth and it consumes them or worry consumes them, once again, they're losing the battle in their mind. When Satan is winning the battle in your mind, he is now controlling you. He's controlling you. That is a, a satanic play. Uh, my, uh, has anyone here ever gone to the Houston Rodeo? And, and maybe you've gone to the, like, the petting zoo. I give my kids these little bags of seed, and they, they feed the goats. And it's so funny because like six goats will be following Kate, our five-year-old, around. And she thinks that she is like the boss of the world. Because she goes this way and twelve, six goats come. She goes this way and she's holding it like this. And she's, she's got gay, these goats following her around. And, and she's just, they're just following her around mindlessly because they, they're, they're just, their brain is not even on. That's exactly what happens. You're just mindlessly following your, these emotions. You're mindlessly following these depressive thoughts, these discouraging thoughts, these worryful thoughts. It's just, it's like, it's like a hook. It's like, bzz, bzz, and it just pulls you around. It just pulls you around. And God says, look, this is what Satan is doing to you. He's winning. He's winning. When you're sitting in your car and you start thinking about somebody you hate and you start yelling at, he's winning. He's winning. The, the, the battlefield is, for, is over the mind. If he can get you to think, he's winning. Jesus had the same challenge. When Jesus was here, this is what the, the resolve that he came to. Because he was just as human as you and I. Watch what he says here. Go ahead and put that first scripture of John chapter 5, verse 19 up. He says, he goes, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does. So he's like, I'm not even going to try to do anything on my own. I'm going to pray so much that if he's, if he's good with what I'm about to do, then I'm going to do it. And he just constantly. But it's not just what he did what he said watch this throw that next scripture up there he says i do not i don't speak on my own authority the father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it so here's jesus saying i'm a human being i know me i know me i'm gonna i'm gonna mess up but if i do what my father tells me to do and i say what my father tells me to say I'll stay on the straight and narrow. Now, this thought came to me because I just thought there is no way I can keep my eye on God every second of the day. 
There's absolutely no way I can do that. The minute I started saying that, I started realizing Satan's winning. Okay? But then I found a scripture that just made everything make sense and everything got a lot easier. Does everybody like the easy way? Say yes. It's like, I'm not Jesus. Watch this. It gets a lot easier when we take this scripture right here. Go ahead and show that Philippians 4, 6 scripture. You got it? No, sorry, not 4-6. Um, I need 15-5, um, John 15-5. Watch this. Yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus talking. You are the branches. Those who remain in me. Everybody say remain real loud. One, two, three. Remain. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is what Jesus is saying. When I walked on the earth, I couldn't do anything without my Father. Now I'm in heaven, you're on the earth. You can't do anything without me. So remain in me. I want you to do what I would do and say what I would say. Okay, that's, 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 that feels impossible. But when that word remain starts to get highlighted, all of a sudden things start making sense. Watch, let me illustrate. You're in church and we're all singing. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Are you with me? Say yes. This is how I fight my battle. Boom. You are, you are, all of hell is nervous and you feel like you're 17 feet tall. This is how I fight my battle. And then you are, you are in his presence, right? In his presence. And then we walk out of the church. We go to, to a restaurant and slowly by around four o'clock, five o'clock, his presence, we're not feeling like we did earlier this morning. Are you with me? Say yes. And then Monday comes, then Tuesday comes, now all of a sudden, this is how I find, it feels like it happened a year ago. Are you with me? Say yes. That's the trick. When you go into, this is how I fight my battles, you walk out of here, you're still up here. This is how I fight my battles. You go sit down at the Black Eyed Pea, they close it down, God rest their soul. But... <laughs> You sit down at the Olive Garden. This is how I fight my battles. You go to the bathroom. This is how I fight my battles. You go to sleep. You take your nap. You're watching the football. This is how I fight my battles. You go to sleep. You wake up in the middle of the night because you have to use the bathroom. This is how I fight my battles. Are you with me? Say yes. Now, now you are remaining in him. You're remaining in him. You're not going in and out, in and in and out. You're in it. Now, when you're constantly, this is how I fight my back, you're praying. You don't even realize it, right? You're praying. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5.17, don't ever stop praying. So you're in it, you're praying, you're in it, you're praying, you're in it, you're praying. And all of a sudden, some moron on Highway 45, and you're like, this is how I fight my battles. <laughs> right? This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my... Now you're winning. Now you're winning, right? 
So the thought is remaining what he does and what he says and what he does and what he says. You're going through your week. You're not going in and out. You're not going in and out. When you go in and out, you come in here on Sunday morning, this is how, and then you go out. You say, see you next Sunday. Not going to happen. Why? Because we're going in, we're going out. So how do we do this? There is no way that we can win the thoughts in our mind. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. Christians try to do it from one side of the globe to the other. You cannot do it. No one in, that has ever been able to do it, no one will ever be able to do it. You cannot win this battle. Peter couldn't win the battle, and he was a disciple. You cannot win the battle. You cannot have his thoughts unless you memorize what he said. You can't. You can't. You will lose. You have to get what he said in your head. What he said in your head. What he said in your head. If you don't memorize what he said, what he said will never be in your head. Someone say, that's good. Come on, work with me. Say, that's good. So you get just a few scriptures. I'm telling you, don't be overwhelmed with the Bible. You just get a few. Now, the good news is, is I took some of my favorites that I use, and I put them in this message, and this message is in the app on your phone. So there's about 10 or 12 scriptures in there. Memorize those, and you'll be walking around like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> Memorize those. The first one that you memorize, this is in section 3 of, of memorizing scriptures. in section 3 of my notes. The first one right at the top there is Philippians 4, 6. This is how you want to start your day. This is how you want to start praying. With this scripture right here. It says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. What does he want you to pray about? Sometimes I talk with friends and they're like, I feel really bad because I'm always asking God for stuff. He's the one that made the rules, not you. He said, pray about everything and pray about everything. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Make your needs known to him. And then this is key. And then thank Him for all that He has done. Now, when you say thank you to God, you are not saying thank you to God because He wants to get the big head. He's not in heaven going, you, you hear this? I did that. I did. The thank yous are not for Him. The thank yous are for you. If you don't say thank you before you start asking for things, your faith will be down here. But when you start off with thank yous, even if they're fundamental, your faith will go from here to there. And you start thinking to yourself, man, if he's done all this stuff, the rest of this stuff's going to be easy. And start simple. This is me when I start. I go to spray. I put earbuds in, it's white sound, so I can't hear anything else. If you don't need to do that, that means you don't have three kids running in the house. Sometimes I'm in my office and we have a loud staff, so 
So it's in my head. First thing I start doing, I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like it. Very rarely do I feel like it. But again, I don't ask my feelings what I want to do. Because if I ask my feelings what I want to do, I would only eat Krispy Kremes. <laughs> right? Our feelings bait us. So I back up. I don't feel like it. So I'm going to get my faith up. And I'm going to get my feelings up. And the only way to do that is to start off with those thank yous. And I start basic. Thank you from my heart. Thank you that I have a sound mind. Thank you that I'm not in the hospital this morning. Thank you for my children. Thank you for these shoes. Thank you for this shirt. It's basic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for taking care of me. See, some of you guys have no idea how, what God has saved me from that stays between him and I. <laughs> Are you with me? Have you ever said, like, you'll hear my testimony, but not all of it, right? Are you with me? And, but between him and I, I'm like, thank you for that. Thank you for getting me out of this. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for getting that woman out of my life. Are you with me? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I keep saying thank you. Some days I only need to say thank you for about 30 or 45 seconds and I'm ready to pray. See, I haven't even started praying yet. Other days... My faith is low. My emotions are low. I feel down. I feel discouraged. So I got to do the thank yous a little bit longer. I know when my spirit is up. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for keeping me healthy. Thank you for keeping me strong. Now, when I start to feel strong again, I got a little pep in my step. Now I'm ready to go to the next part of my prayer time. I don't move forward until I get up there, until my spirit gets up. Until I'm feeling good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if I can't think of things to say thank you for, I just say thank you passionately. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm feeling it, feeling it, feeling it. So now I'm feeling big now. Maybe it took me four, five, six, seven minutes. Now I'm feeling strong. Now I'm going to shift. Everybody say shift. shift. Why am I doing this? I want his thoughts dominating my life. If his thoughts are dominating my life, it's going to be a lot easier. If I don't get his thoughts, so I said, the next thing I do, I already put the first scripture in there. Now I'm going to start going down. Bang, 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 bang. James, James 4, 8. God, I thank you that whenever I come close to you, you're coming close to me. I thank you that when I come close to you, you're coming close to me. Okay, done, done with that scripture. I say that over and over and I go to the next one. James 5.16, I thank you that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I thank you that what I'm saying is availing much. Then I go to Hebrews, Hebrews 11.6. I thank you that you reward those who diligently seek you. I'm trying to be as diligent as I know how to be. Lord, I need you to reward me. I can't live this life without you. Okay, boom. Got James 4, 8. James 5, 16. 11, 6. Now we go to, uh, uh, let me see. Where do I go next? I go Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 13. Your word says that if I seek you, I will find you. If I seek you with all my heart. Lord, I'm, I'm seeking you. If, I'm, if I need to seek you differently, teach me. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Teach me. Next one, next one. After I build my faith there, 
Psalms, uh, no, I, I go, um, uh, Psalms 56, 9. Every time I pray, the tide of the battle turns. Every time I pray, the tide of the battle turns. You see my battles. I don't want to talk to you about my battles. Just fix them. Have you ever wanted to pray like that? Just fix them. I don't want to talk about them. You see them, fix them. Enough of this, our Father who art in heaven. We got too many problems for that. Are you with me? Say yes. Now, some of you may say, why, why are there so many healings that's been happening at this church? Well, first of all, not everybody gets healed. Some people have to wait for their healing. I don't know why. God's God. He's the one that heals people, not me. But why have so many people been getting healed? Because I got these scriptures that I say them all the time. All the time. Lord, I thank you that people get healed in this church. Because in, in John 14, 12, it says, Those who believe in you will do the things that you did. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next scripture. See, it's something powerful if I come up to you and I say, Hey. Will you do this for me? Or I can come up to you and say, hey, do you remember you promised that you would do this for me? Big difference. Everybody say yes. Big difference. When I say, when Luke comes out and goes, Daddy, will you take me to Target? My family loves Target to the point there was a hurricane watch like three weeks ago. And the kids came up to me and said, the, the news said the hurricane is on, I can't remember what it was, 2920, and there's a target on that road. We need to pray that God will move that hurricane. God can't touch target. I'm like, really? Really? We got people underneath steps right now, and you want to pray about target? All right, I get it, I get it. But when they say, Dad, you promised me you would get me a toy from target. I did? When did I say that? You told me that yesterday at dinner, right after we finished, we were going to the car, and you said, oh, shoot. Guess I got to go to Target. And the difference between me and Jesus is me, I go, oh, shoot. Let's go to Target. Jesus says, oh, you remember that? You remember that? You remember that? He loves that we remember that. Isaiah 53, 5, where it says, Lord, I know. It happened over 2,000 years ago. But Father, you were wounded for my transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. We have healings at Celebration Church because I'm quoting this all the time, and many of you are as well. So by the time you get here, it's like static electricity in the air. Because all week long, Lord, I thank you. The, the chastisement was upon you so that we could have peace. When we say, give us one year of your life and you have the best year you've ever had, we're not rolling dice when we say that. We know you need peace. We know we can't give you peace. But we can pray it right into your life and say, God, the chastisement was upon you for our peace. I don't know where they're at. Find them. Find them. Find them. These healing agents come and find you. This is, it's not unreachable to think like Jesus thought. It's not unreachable. 
It's not unreachable to live like Jesus lived. The key is, is you remain. You don't go in and out. You remain. You get two or three verses. You put them in there. And you say it over and over again. And it's so funny because I was in my office earlier. And the wonderful thing is God doesn't care that you sing bad. In fact, it's my belief that it gets filtered and turns into angels' voices by the time it gets up there. At least that's what I pray for. But I tell God, Lord, and then I start making up my own song. And that's when it's awesome, when you make up your own song. If you buy a Father's Day card for somebody today, they open it up, they read what's in the card that was printed in the card, like, oh, thank you. And then they want to find out, what did you write? When you, wait, when you make up your own song, that's what you wrote. So I'll use someone else's song first. To worship you I live. To worship you I live. To worship you I live. To worship you, to worship you, to worship you I live. I live to worship you. I live to walk with you. I live to talk with you. I live to listen to you. To talk with you, I live. To talk with you, I live. To talk with you, I live. To walk with you, I live. To walk with you, I live. I live to walk with you. It's my own song. My own song. Are you with me? Let's all stand to our feet. Come on.